Good day, good day, good day, good day. I want to welcome you to another Holistic Life podcast. Today is Tuesday, July the 5th, and we are broadcasting live from the Columbus, Ohio region. I bring you greetings on this uh, fantastic Tuesday that we are um, experiencing on this day. Um, I tell you what, um, I missed you all on, on last week. But we are definitely back today with a brand new series on understanding PTSD. And so um, if you would do me the great pleasure of liking and sharing this video, um, anybody that you may know that suffers from PTSD, um, or if you would like to learn more about it, um, we have been educating um, for uh, most of 2022 in our emotional wellness and just talking about our mental health um, series. Um, we have been focusing really the past two months on teen mental health, um, which we will get back into. Um, but today we are going to start talking about PTSD, PTSD. And what that is, um, what it is, um, we're going to take a look at the history, the causes, the symptoms, um, the different types, some of the behaviors that you may see. Um, what does it mean for um, PTSD in relationships? We'll also take a look at some treatment for PTSD. We're going to look at the road to healing. And of course, we're going to always bring in the biblical perspective concerning PTSD and how people can get on the road to recovery. Um, today, I'm pretty much going to probably just kind of stick around just giving us what some history is because I believe that it is often um, misunderstood um, that a lot of people just think that PTSD is um, for people that were in the military. But as you are going to find out on today, that's not necessarily the truth. We may get into the, the, the symptoms, but we're definitely going to look at the history and the causes on this week. Don't want to get too much where it's overwhelming, but we're definitely going to make sure that we cover all of the bases as we begin this series on understanding PTSD and getting um, people on the road to recovery. So today, um, just to give us an introdu introduction, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And it is a debilitating uh, mental disorder that affects roughly seven to eight percent of the population. And this is according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, Veteran Affairs. Now, PTSD is a trauma or it's a stressor related disorder. So people that suffer from PTSD, they experience a certain set of, a set of symptoms that is brought on by either a traumatic event or a series of traumatic events. And though PTSD, again, is most commonly associated with people who serve in the military, anyone who goes through a traumatic experience is at risk for developing it. So that's why it's important for us to get to really begin to educate ourselves and to gain a better understanding. When we talk about mental health, 
Um, most things have just been kind of just swept under the rug. And we, especially in the body of Christ, the church, we really have not had this conversation, but we see more and more every single day that it is important for us to not only educate ourselves and to know what are the things that we need to do to address the, the uh, soul in the body, but also to bring in that spiritual component as well. So again, PTSD is most commonly associated with those that have served in the military, but anyone who goes through a traumatic experience is at risk for developing it. Now, the American Psychiatric Association defines PTSD this way. PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, is a psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, a serious accident. It could be a terrorist act. It could be war or combat. It could even be rape or those that have been threatened with death. It could be due to sexual violence or other serious injury. So populations commonly exposed to traumatic events actually have a higher average of PTSD than the average citizen. So even if we look at some of the communities that we live in, if there is um, a, a higher average of traumatic events, statistics show that those populations are going to have a higher average of PTSD than the average citizen. For instance, if we look at those who served in Operation Iraq Freedom or the Enduring Freedom, or even go back to Desert Storm, many of them returned with a 10 to 20% rate of PTSD. Of those who served in Vietnam, around 15% were diagnosed with PTSD. And so as we are going through this series and we're going to continue to expand upon this topic, we're going to be taking, again, a closer look at the history of PTSD, looking at the main causes and the symptoms of PTSD and the treatments that are available for those who are suffering from PTSD. Right. So first, let's look at the history, the history. Now, although PTSD has been around since the beginning of humanity, um, one of the things that we know is that it wasn't added to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders until 1980. So the term PTSD became much more familiar to the common American after the Vietnam War. And it continued to become more common even after recent conflicts. In other times in American history, PTSD was referred to as other things. And so what happened is that physicians would note the changes in people, usually soldiers, that couldn't wholly be explained by any wounds or by any injuries. Now, there are some names that used to describe PTSD, and this would be before 1980, before 1980. 
different terms. So one was nostalgia. Nostalgia. Now, nostalgia was coined by Swiss physician Dr. Johannes Hoffer in the late 1600s to describe soldiers experiencing deep despair and homesickness. Deep despair and homesickness. He noted other common PTSD symptoms such as sleeplessness and anxiety. Another term that was used was soldier's heart or irritable heart. And this was a term that was used by Dr. Jacob Mendez da Costa to describe physical issues soldiers in the Civil War experienced that were not related to combat wounds. So these issues included constricted breathing, heart palpitations, and other heart issues. Another term that was used was railway spine or railway brain. These PSD terms, they weren't related to soldiers. During the 1800s, railroad, railroad travel became very common. And so it, it also saw, saw during this particular time a very uh, stark rise in railroad-related accidents. Railroad-related accidents. So people who survived these accidents sometimes suffered from anxiety and sleeplessness that they referred to as railway brain. Interesting, right? Now, another term that was used is shell shock. Now this one we may be a little bit more familiar with, shell shock. This was used after World War I. Now World War I was particularly, we know, a brutal war where many soldiers came home experiencing things like anxiety, uh, nightmares, um, impaired sight and vision, tremors and fatigue. And many of the soldiers who came home with these symptoms, they were directly exposed to exploding shells on the battlefield, giving the name shell shock its origin. Okay. Now, some other terms, battle fatigue or combat fatigue, and also combat stress reaction. These were also terms that were used to describe PTSD symptoms in relation to World War II. So it was believed that these symptoms exhibited were due to very long deployments, long deployments. Another term that was used before PTSD was gross stress reaction, gross stress reaction. And this was used in the DSM-1 in 1952 to diagnose psychological issues connected to traumatic events. So at this time, it was believed that symptoms would only last for a short period of time. And if the, if the symptoms, if they persisted longer than six months, then it was no longer thought to be related to a specific traumatic event. So that's growth stress reaction. Now, another term before PTSD was adjustment reaction to adult life. In 1968, 
PTSD related terms were, were then removed and replaced with words adjustment reaction with the words with uh, to adult life. So adjustment reaction to adult life. And at that time, many experts believe that this change failed to truly still encompass the disorder and related complications and was a step in the wrong direction. So fast forward to 1980. Post-traumatic stress disorder was officially added to the DSM-3. And the writers of the DSM-3 use symptoms from people who had survived traumatic events such as war veterans, Holocaust survivors, um, sexual victims. Um, they use these, um, these survivors to help to develop the diagnosis description. So who would have known that, um, again, prior to um, 1980s, where we just began to hear about PTSD, that man has been trying to figure this out since the 1600s, since the 1600s. And again, probably even before then, before the beginning of time, okay? Now, when we get to the 1980s, the 1980s term PTSD was a major shift in the way that people began looking at the reaction to trauma. So prior to that, you know, they were trying to figure it out, but a shift came. So during World War I, many people perceived that soldiers with PTSD, that their symptoms, they kind of perceived these people as just being weak or feeble. And it was thought that they were feeling that, you know, the things that they were feeling were just due to a, a poor constitution or just a poor makeup of who they were. Now, the change during the 1980s now puts PTSD in an entirely new light. So again, according to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, from a historical perspective, the significant change ushered in by PTSD concept was the stipulation that the etiological agent was outside the, event, the, the individual, meaning that it was outside of the a traumatic event rather than inherent to individual weaknesses such as a traumatic, traumatic neurosis. So the key to understanding the scientific basis and the clinical expression of PTSD is the concept of the term that everyone knows and relates to today, and that is trauma. So in other words, what we are saying and what I want to communicate to us today is that anyone can be susceptible to a physical and mental reaction to a highly traumatic life event, anyone. So an outside factor like war or sexual abuse can have a serious effect on a person. Now, if we fast forward to 
PTSD in the DSM-5 in 2013. So in 2013, the manual that we use for diagnostic diagnostic codes, it was updated. And at this time, PTSD was changed from being categorized as an anxiety disorder to being classified as a trauma or stressor related disorder. And one of the main reasons for this change is that, again, PTSD is not only exhibited as anxiety. It's not just anxiety that is associated with it. So psychiatrist Dr. Tracy Marks explains it this way. With the diagnostic and the statistical manual that came out in 2013, it was moved to the category of trauma and stress-related disorders. And the significance of this is that PTSD is more than anxiety. People have very complex emotions afterwards that include guilt, shame, anger, and these are just a few examples, but lots of things more than just anxiety. So again, this becomes, you know, one of the reasons why it's it's important for us to have this, this education and this understanding so that we can really stop kind of like lumping people in a um, all-in-one basket or really just diminishing who a person is. Education and understanding is so critical. And when you have understanding along with education, then it helps us to be able to uh, to uh, come alongside people and to really help them instead of actually sometimes causing more harm. Now, what causes PTSD? We know that PTSD is not limited to one demographic or to a single type of trauma. So again, it's not just military veterans that experience PTSD. It's not limited to that. It's not limited to an age group. It's not limited to a gender. It's not limited to a socioeconomic background. Now, while PTSD is most often associated with veterans, it is also common with accidents such as a car crash, violent attacks, sexual assault or threatened sexual abuse, being bullied or harassed, kidnapping, witnessing someone else being harmed or killed, traumatic birth, listen to me, either from the mother or the partner witnessing a traumatic birth, terrorist attack, natural disaster, living in a war zone, a history of trauma or abuse. These are other, these are just other, other things that it's associated with. And so we have to be aware, we have to be aware of these things. While other people may develop mental disorders from trauma in their life, PTSD is reserved for a distinct type of trauma. For example, people who are going through a difficult life experience, such as a sickness or a divorce. It could be a loss of job, 
um, they may experience anxiety, depression, or other mental health issues, which I've talked about in some of the previous podcasts. However, PTSD is defined for a certain group of people experiencing a specific set of symptoms. So the type of trauma used to diagnose PTSD is defined by the DSM-5 is this. PTSD is a person who is exposed to death, threatened death, actual or threatened serious injury, or actual or threatened sexual violence, such as directly experiencing the traumatic event, witnessing a traumatic event in person, indirect exposure to a traumatic event, such as an event that may have happened to a close friend or a loved one. The event must be violent in nature. It's also experiencing repeated or indirect exposure to adverse details of a traumatic event. And this usually happens in the course of a normal job duty, such as a police officer repeatedly working on child abuse cases or first responders cleaning up the aftermath of a crash. Now, this does not include non-professional exposure such as people watching the news or watching movies depicting traumatic events. I have to make that, that caveat there. Some people may feel invalidated when they do not receive a PTSD diagnosis, thinking that they're being told that their trauma isn't serious enough to warrant the diagnosis. And while these feelings are, they're understandable. It doesn't mean that they are not feeling or experiencing symptoms that is brought on by mental health issues or that's brought on by trauma. People who have anxiety often have heart palpitations and avoidance is a common symptom of depression. So again, the difference between PTSD and other trauma-based or mental health diagnosis is not meant to downplay or delegitimize their experience, but it is to illuminate a specific mental health disorder with a very specific set of symptoms. Very specific. What are some of the risk factors, and I believe that this may be the last part that I will go into on today, is some risk factors for PTSD. Now, while PTSD can be experienced Um, by any demographic, there are some factors that do increase the probability of it developing. And some of these risk factors include a history of anxiety or depression, lack of support, early childhood trauma, a history of abuse, history of drug or alcohol abuse. Another thing is that women are more likely to suffer from PTSD than men. If there is a family history of mental illness, um, past traumatic experiences, 
poor coping skills, um, ongoing stress, and working in jobs that include potentially traumatic events, again, such as first responders, hospital workers, or those who are in the military. So those are some of the risk factors. Now, next week, we'll take a look at uh, what are some of the symptoms of, of PTSD. Um, but pretty much, I just want to review uh, just some high highlights and high points on, on today as we have taken a look at the history of PTSD, looking at how um, it was defined, um, how it came to be um, in the DSM, and looking at what are some of the causes of PTSD. You know, again, the definition um, from the American Psychiatric Association defines PTSD as a psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event, such as a natural disaster, a serious accident, a terrorist act, war or combat or rape, or who have been threatened with death, sexual violence, or serious injury. So I pray that this, you know, just the opening up of uh, this conversation um, would, 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 would give us and shed a different light upon what we may have thought um, about PTSD, um, that it would cause us to be more compassionate um, towards those um, who do suffer from PTSD. And again, what can we do um, to uh, walk alongside or even at least show empathy um, to an individual without causing more harm? It is more oftentimes in wanting to do right or in wanting to help, we may say or do things that actually causes more harm. And even though, you know, that may not be the intention, that's not our intention to cause, you know, more harm or to make people feel like the things that they have experienced to de uh, delegitimize them. But we really want to, again, have uh, the understanding um, and, and not only just with knowledge, but understanding and, and to have wisdom on, on, on just how we are interacting um, with people so that we can be a better help and a better assistance, um, whether we are helping people on the physical side or in the natural side or those on the spiritual side. Um, I can't tell you um, how many times um, I've had clients that have been um, that have been just kind of frustrated because of the lack of knowledge and understanding of believers. And I'm talking about these are people who are believers. And um, you know, so we need to again to educate ourselves. And, 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 and then again, if we don't know, um, absolutely Chiquita, if we don't know, we have to be able to point them in the right direction for help. Me, I know what my, uh, what my limits are. I know and I understand my reach. And so that's why I have uh, uh, people that I can refer people out to. 
And oftentimes, if I have a client that is working with a psychiatrist, um, that I partner with them on the faith-based side. I partner with them so that they have the word. And I'm talking again, these are people that are believers. These are believers, okay? And so again, we're not diminishing, we are not de-illegitimatizing um, people's experiences and what they have gone through. But again, I am here to bring us some education and so that we can apply things properly, make proper application, make proper referral, and, and that people will, will still know that we love them and that God loves them and that there is hope for them on the other side of the diagnosis. Um, so again, I thank you all for, for tuning in um, to this week's um, uh, podcast. I do have a few announcements that I'm going to make. Uh, for those of you um, that are in the Columbus, Ohio um, area, and actually you really don't have to be in the Columbus, Ohio area. You can be anywhere in the state of Ohio. Um, the Youth Empowerment, our Youth Empowerment Mentorship Program is still open um, for those that are approved through the ACE program. If you would like more information, please uh, send a message. I can get that information to you on how you can enroll to apply for the scholarship for your child to receive some after school um, care and actually some summer help during the summer. The program is still open and it's up to $500 um, per uh, per child. And so we've got some, um, some great programs that we are rolling out and that we're going to continue to roll out in the 2022-2023 school year. Then we have our hardcover journals, our hardcover journals available exclusively on Amazon. For those of you that like to journal, that love to write, um, these are custom designed by yours truly. Um, they are available on our uh, Amazon website. And then also for those of you that would like to become a certified faith-based clinical counselor, we are now accepting enrollments for our October class, our October class, which will be October the 5th. The registration deadline for the next cohort is going to be September the 12th, September the 12th. So if you feel that you are led um, to, um, to, to add this to your spiritual toolbox, um, it is a phenomenal program. Um, I've had several uh, that, that are here on the broadcast that, that have been a part of the program and they can tell you just how beneficial it was to them. I may add another Saturday, uh, a Saturday intensive. Um, those usually are a little bit harder to do because it's literally teaching the whole class in a four hour period. But if you feel that you are led, again, this information uh, will be available. I will pop the link here in the chat. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. Join me here on next Tuesday at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we will continue the conversation. We will continue the education of understanding PTSD, and we will take a look at some of the symptoms. God bless you all. Have a great, great, great rest of your day. And we'll catch you on the airwaves on next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you.